superchargers, headlights, and more. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts and eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Plus, with prices that don't break the bank, you can stay on your A-game. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Ryan Warmly, joined today by Pat Fitzmorris and Derek Brown. Fellas, we are almost to week three. It always blows my mind how quickly the season goes. Uh, after just a long offseason of building up to week one, week one, week one, every other week just flies by every single season. It's really uh, uncanny how that happens. We are here in week three. We are previewing another excellent slate. And as always, our Friday show is going to be some key questions that we see and want to answer going in to each weekend's matchup. There's really not much to talk about from Thursday Night Football because it basically played out as we all expected with the Niners, the clearly superior team over the Giants. Matt Breida got a touchdown, so if you did pick him up, if you're a Barkley owner, hopefully you put him in your lineup. But beyond that, I think we can just move right on and go into the Sunday early afternoon slate here for our matchup previews. And we're going to start with Colts at Ravens matchup previews. My key question for you guys is, with Justice Hill likely out, but the Ravens facing a tough run defense, are we bullish or bearish on Gus Edwards this week? Debro, what do you think? I've got to knock down the ranks, guys. This Colts defense might not be great, and it isn't great versus passing, but versus the run, they're top shelf, baby. Like, we're talking about an an indie defense that's allowing the fifth lowest explosive run rate, and it has the fourth highest stuff rate. So... Yeah, I I'm, I don't think the bus goes anywhere. I think it's got flat tires this week, boys. So like a low end RB three is about where I'm at. Maybe a little bit lower. Like there's just a bunch of other guys where I'm like, okay, give them 10 touches and they probably do a little bit more than Gus Edwards. I am definitely more optimistic than Debro is. Surprise. Pat, are you more on my side or on Debro's here? I think I'm a little more on your side, Worm. I mean, the one concern that we are always going to have with Gus Edwards is that the lack of usage in the passing game makes the floor a little unstable. But I think that floor stabilizes when we know the rushing volume is going to be significant. And it should be with Justice Hill out and the Ravens favored by more than a touchdown at home. Uh, look, I know Gus is not an extraordinary talent, although he's he's been pretty productive as a rusher. And I know this really isn't a smash matchup. The Colts are decent against the run, although I don't think it is a fearsome matchup the way, say, the 49ers or Titans are for opposing running backs. So, um, yeah, like when you're looking at Gus, probably his average number of carries for a game like this or the expectation, probably around 14 and a half carries. Um, like, I think there's a good chance that he gives you solid flex value at least this week. Yeah, I, I mean, this Ravens team, even with the new offense coordinator, they still want the run to be a part of their game. They want to run when they're close in, you know, up near the end zone. They want to run it in. That's what they've four of their six touchdowns this year have been rushing touchdowns, not from Lamar Jackson. 
and there's nobody else in this backfield if Hill is out. I mean, Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake, I don't think are going to take too many touches, especially high value, you know, red zone touches away from Gus Edwards. So I think he's going to score a touchdown this week. I think he's going to get the most rushing yards on the team this week. Uh, I know that the Colts defense is good, but the Ravens offense is also good. The offensive line played a lot better than I expected them to, you know, against Cincy. So I, I think even banged up, they will come in and want to run the ball. Uh, it's also supposed to be a really sloppy weather game, which means I think they're going to lean on the run even more heavily. So I just think all of that favors Gus. Was. I'm not saying he's like an RB1 this week, but I, th- I think a low RB3 like Debro you're describing, I-, I just think that's that's too low. Do you have any optimism at all, Debro? Or are you pretty set in where he's ranked? I mean, look, I, I understand the volume aspect, and I get it. Um, when you start looking at just the, the state of the running back position this week, I re- but I really think like when it comes down to it, if he doesn't score – if Lamar gets the rushing touchdowns at the goal line. And I, and I understand that worm because Baltimore has the seventh highest red zone rushing rate. So I don't, I don't disagree that he's probably going to get chances down there, but where I'm sitting, like I, I put him like I, where Pat's at in the sense of like 14, 15 carries. I don't think he's going to be efficient. So I kind of look at him as like a, like a touchdown or bust kind of like flex play, you want to put him into like a low end RB two. I think if he doesn't, if he does not score this week, he's probably more of an RB three and you're going to wish you didn't start him. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code FANTASYPROS. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, let's go to Titans at Browns for our next game here. My question is, how are we approaching the Browns' backfield both this week and in the long term? Obviously, with Chubb going down with that gruesome injury, we have Jerome Ford was the hot-button waiver-wire guy of the week, and then they signed Kareem Hunt, which a lot of people kind of connected the dots and expected they might. So, Fitz, I'll start with you this time. How are we approaching the Cleveland backfield? I think we still have to treat it as Jerome Ford being the primary back here. And um, I think they will probably calibrate the usage of Kareem Hunt based on how well Ford fares in the lead role. But um, I I don't think we're going to see a lot of Kareem Hunt right away. Like He hasn't been through any team activities all offseason. No mini camps, no training camp. It might take him a week or two to get his conditioning up to a level of game readiness so I do think it's going to be primarily Ford here. And, you know, what we mainly have to worry about is the skull and crossbones matchup with the Titans run defense. So that's why Ford is just outside RB2 range for me this week. But I still think you're probably playing him in most circumstances. And man, it kind of uh, it, it kind of sucks for all the people who 
blew out their fab budget on Jerome Ford that in his first four weeks uh, that you're going to have him, he's going against the Titans, the Ravens, then a bye, then the 49ers. Ooh. So three really tough matchups and a bye. I mean, you might not be actually excited about using Jerome Ford until week seven. Wow. I I knew about the Titans matchup, and I knew the Ravens were coming the next week. I hadn't looked that far ahead to realize there was two more Oof. weeks where he'll be either literally unusable or essentially unusable. Uh, that That is tough. Debro, I mean, I was going to ask you kind of about the matchup. Um, so, you know, even the Kareem Hunt of it all aside, I, I'm not start. I only have Ford in one league. I'm not starting him in that league because of this matchup. Yeah, I mean... I have him ranked as a low-end RB2, and it really, it gets gross uh, with running back. When you get past about, I mean, good Lord, guys, like RB14, RB15, I'm talking about Brian Robinson, Joshua Kelly in the mix at RB16, 17, like, it gets nasty pretty quickly. And I've got Ford as a low-end RB2, and it really just comes out of the volume, and with the matchup, it's terrible. Like, I'm not going to tell anybody that it's not. The The two things that I'll lean on with Ford is just the volume. And I think he does get the pass game usage over Kareem Hunt this week. Because him arriving, like, he probably spells Ford on early downs a little bit. Gets a handful of touches as a breather back. But pass protection, pass pro concepts, blitz pickups, things like that. I think that Ford is going to be the guy running most of the routes. So that pads his floor a little bit, but I'm with you guys. Like, I think Jerome Ford has the talent to, to hold down the early down role and take the Nick Chubb role, and Kareem Hump just rolls back into being the pass game specialist, but I'm not excited about playing him, and I mean, saying that I have him as a low-end RB2 isn't saying much this week. The Titans have faced two backup running backs already this season. Jamal Williams, 18 for 45 on the ground and Joshua Kelly 13 for 39 neither got in the end zone so that is not particularly encouraging for uh for the prospects of Jerome Ford in this one I uh, just want to make a quick note I mentioned I only have Ford in one league our multi-league assistant makes juggling multiple leagues easier than ever I actually just went there to check to see if I was forgetting any of my leagues that I had him in just live here on the show it's that easy and quick so head to fantasypros.com slash my playbook to get expert advice for all your teams in one spot so you can dominate every league every week Let's go to game number three. That's Falcons at Lions. And the key question here, I think, is actually one of the few obvious ones this week. And it's with David Montgomery out, or I don't know if it's official or if I miss it or something, but it, he's, he's out. Uh, will this be the Jameer Gibbs breakout game? Debra, what do you think? I think so, guys. I think it's going to happen. Now, I think that Craig Reynolds is going to factor into this backfield. I think he is going to take some of the early down work. Now, how much is to be, we'll see. Uh, but this team loves Craig Reynolds. They've used him in certain spots. He's been the starter in certain games where the injuries have struck. There's a lot of belief in Craig Reynolds. But I think that this could be the Jameer Gibbs breakout game. I mean, you look at the Atlanta rushing defense, 11th highest explosive run rate allowed, 11th lowest stuff rate. So we're talking about even if Jameer Gibbs is going to split the work with Craig Reynolds, I think we're still going to sew him into like 15, 16 touches considering the targets and everything else. And we're talking about this is a run defense that gives up big plays. So yeah, Jameer Gibbs could have a monster day. I've got him ranked right now at RB14. Maybe that's not high enough. Fitz, how aggressive are you being on Gibbs this week? 
Yeah, I mean, I've got him right around the RB1, RB2 border. And, uh, like, we, I don't think we can be that disappointed in the usage. Like, what we wanted from him was early career Alvin Kamara usage. And, and Kamara famously had 81 catches in each of his first three years in the league, then 83 in his fourth year. Right now, Gibbs is pacing for 77 catches. And like in those first four Alvin Kamara seasons, he never had 200 carries in a season. Now, we'd like to see a few more carries. So far, only 14 for Gibbs, which puts him on pace for 119. He will get more usage in the rushing game, but we just haven't seen the big plays yet. And as Debro mentioned, with this matchup, maybe there's a better chance we'll get the big plays. But as far as the usage, I don't know that it changes much because I do think Craig Reynolds is going to get maybe 80% of the David Montgomery usage this week. This is actually the perfect opportunity to talk about this year's Fantasy Over Under Challenge presented by Betting Pros. Each week, the guys will be making Over Under picks for 10 different players for how many fantasy points we expect them to score. Submit your picks to play along with the guys so you don't miss out on the chance to win awesome prizes. One of this week's players is, in fact, Jameer Gibbs. So do we think he'll surpass 12.5 fantasy points against the Falcons, Debra? Yeah, give me the over. And and I want to add something on top of what Fitz was talking about, the usage. Anybody griping about it? Do you not understand he got nine targets last week? Nine. Because he didn't score and he didn't break off a long run. Don't get lost in the sauce. He got nine targets. You can't be upset about that. What do you think fits 12 and a half fantasy points over or under? I got to go over here. Yes. Yeah, I, that's a clean sweep. I agree on the over for that as well. Let's go to game number four, Saints at Packers. And the key question here, is regression coming for Jordan Love and the Packers offense fits? <laughs> In terms of touchdowns and interceptions, uh, yes, probably. I mean, he's got – the reason Jordan Love is leading the NFL in passer rating right now is because he's got six touchdown passes and no interceptions. I'm going to boldly predict he does not finish with 50 touchdowns and that he throws more than zero interceptions this year, Worm. So, um, but, I mean, the rest of it is pretty sustainable. Like, his completion percentage right now is only 55.8%. That's actually going to go up uh, 7.6 yards per target or per attempt decent but um you know not extraordinary so all that's sustainable but the touchdown interception ratio has been great so far and it's not going to stay that good all season be be careful all the way out there on that limb i don't want you uh you falling <laughs> off there uh Devo, what, what do you make of this offense and, and it seems like love is doing what he's supposed to do in that he's mm. running what matt lafleur wants him to run and it's working out well he's not like you know creating all these plays on his own but the regression still has to come right the passing touchdown regression is going to hit but I, I want to throw this out here and i know pat's not going to like this take can we all talk about this and use the same energy that people are using for justin fields right now and understand that Jordan Love is not playing amazing. Like, I, I get he has got six passing touchdowns, and everybody wants to wag about that and talk about it. You look at the rest of Jordan Love's numbers, and they're bad. They're, like, really, really bad. So going against the Saints defense, I mean, just to throw this out here, Jordan Love is 26th in passing grade. He is the 10th lowest big-time throw rate. Amongst all quarterbacks with at least 20 dropbacks, he has the lowest adjusted completion rate in the NFL. So people are getting lost in the fact that he's got six passing touchdowns. Outside of that fluky metric, he's looked bad, regardless of anything else you look at. 
And so now they're going up against the Saints pass defense that is legit. They are really, really good. Their top, uh, their uh, starting top three quarters are really, really good. Alante Taylor, Marshawn Lattimore, and Paulson Adebo are playing really good football. I think Love is going to have a massive comeback to earth game. I'm surprised the advanced metrics are that bad on Love, quite frankly. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's looked that bad. And I've, I've you know, I'm a Packers fan. I've, I've watched all the snaps. Like, I think he's played reasonably well. But, um, and we all should also remember, like, Christian Watson is coming back, possibly mm-hmm. this week. So that's going to help him. I wanted to sneak in a second question actually on this matchup just because I think there's so many interesting names on the Saints that are in that range of you might be in a position to start them and you might not. So I think it could be some actionable advice here. So I really I just want to ask you guys to rank Rashid Shaheed, Tony Jones, and Kendra Miller as flex options this week. Debra? Shaheed is at the top of that hill. Like, absolutely. Talked about him on the must-start show and stuff and like – He's going to crush. He's been doing awesome. His metrics are beautiful, and he's going to destroy the Packers' zone defense this week. Um, so Shahid is in a tier of his own. And then looking at this backfield, I mean, it really comes down to who is going to get the goal line work. And right now, it's up in the air. Um, I give the lean to Kendra Miller over Tony Jones only because of talent. I think that the red zone work, we shall see. But we know who Tony Jones is at this point. Like, I had him uh, much higher in my ranks until we found out that Kendrick Miller probably plays this week. I lean that Kendrick Miller, if they get similar volume, Kendrick Miller's going to do more with it. So I'll put Kendrick Miller over Tony Jones Jr. Fitz, what do you think? Shahid, Jones, and Miller, how are you ranking him? Yeah, same order as Debro, Shahid, Miller, Jones, and Tony Jones is just a jobber. We know that. So um, <laughs> the interesting <laughs> question is where Taysom Hill should oh, rank in this. that's and a I, good point. I, I would I would slide Taysom Hill in ahead of either of the running backs here because I think Taysom Hill's going to have 10 to 15 carries this week against the Packers. Where do you have Taysom oh, ranked have- at, Pat? Now I've got to go look at my oh, Taysom I, ranking. I got a guy I've got him in up. my top top 10, top 10 at tight end. Oh, I got to wow. bump him up. I'm bumping him up right now. I had him buried. I just hadn't updated his rank. It's such a good point, man. Tight end 10. Let's ride. Let's go. I I have nothing to add on on Taysom Hill. I just he continues to uh, to get these opportunities, and it's smart to play him if you if you have him. He probably will be a top ten tight end this week, so that's that's definitely smart. This weekend, a bunch of the behind the scenes fantasy pros team are actually in Florida to hit not one but two NFL games. I am bummed Ooh. I could not join the trip this year, but I'm still super excited to get out to a game here in Denver this season. Hopefully, with as crazy an ending as the one we saw last week here in Denver. Whichever game I choose, the best way to get tickets to any of these games is on Game Time, the official ticketing partner of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. For last minute amazing deals on tickets to see your favorite football team this September, Download Game Time. And as you've heard us say before, it's not just football. Game Time has tickets to baseball games, concerts, and comedy shows around the country. So download the Game Time app and redeem code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app and enter code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off. No matter where you live, get out and have some fun this week. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Let's go to game five, guys. It's Texans at Jaguars, a little AFC South action. My question here, Jags offense definitely bounces back in a smash spot. Right, Fitz? I do think it's a smash spot for Travis Etienne. 
I don't know if it's going to be a smash spot for Trevor Lawrence and his pass catchers. The Texans haven't been that great of a matchup for quarterbacks and wide receivers. I think part of it is because opponents are constantly in run-friendly game scripts against the Texans. Maybe that won't be the case this year so much now that C.J. Stroud looks like a real quarterback. Maybe the Texans can do a better job of hanging with opponents, but... Um, we know that run defense has not been fixed yet. The Texans gave up the most rushing yards to running backs in 2022, and already they rank 32nd in DVOA against the run. So I think you're excited about this matchup if you are a Travis Etienne investor. Um, you know, like Lawrence, I think the expectation is decent, but not necessarily a smash spot for him in this passing game. Debra, what do you think? I'm thinking maybe the passing game too with Derek Stingley out for Houston. I was just about to say, I was like, I'm going to push back on this. I think that they smashed through the air. Derek Stingley out and with a pass defense that so far has allowed the ninth highest yards per attempt and the 11th highest passer rating. I think Lawrence and this passing attack get back on track. Now, the other part about this is that if Zay Jones misses this game, I need to bump up Christian Kirk. I know we talked about not starting him. If Zay Jones is out, I'm going to amend that take. And I think that probably bumping up Kirk a little bit because I think the usage is going to be there because he becomes the guy that's probably going to be in three and two wide receiver sets and maybe giving a small nudge to Evan Ingram. But I, I think Lawrence smashes this week, especially with Stingley out. Yeah, it looks to me. I don't know if you guys have updated this as of this morning. We're recording the show, but. Calvin Ridley is ninth for you, Debro, and he's down at 14 for you, Fitz. So are you just in general because you think they're going to run so much? And based on what we've seen the first two weeks, is that why you're keeping Ridley a little bit down in terms of what the, the Texans pass defense has done? Yeah, I mean, the Stingley thing is is uh, a factor, and I should have mentioned that at the top. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it and not knowing which way the ball is going and. As of now, I'm sort of planning that they are going to have Zay Jones, but I will have to amend that and probably bump up Ridley if Zay doesn't play. So I updated my wide receiver ranks. I had already made some moves and stuff, but I just hit update on them. I bumped up Ridley to wide receiver five. The only wide receivers oh, wow, I'm, cool. I'm starting over him this week would be Jefferson, Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs, and CeeDee Lamb. Wow. I mean, we, we saw what he did week one, right, boys? Like, we didn't forget that, huh? Speaking of who we saw do week one, you would start Ridley over Tyree Kill? Right now, because only because Tyree Kill is dealing with the ankle injury. We need to see what his practice reports, but I think that those two are what and what as far as target volume expectations this week. Um, the other part about that is Denver's run defense. We'll talk about it later probably, but their run defense has been quietly bad. So I think it also could be a good day for Raheem Ostert. Uh, we'll actually talk about it next, but first I want to quickly mention that Debro, of course, handles the primer every single week, but I also want to mention that with our My Primer tool, you can get a personalized view of the primer tailor-made for your specific fantasy team. All you have to do is head to fantasypros.com slash myplaybook and quickly sync your team for our in-depth advice on every single one of your players. Let's get to that Broncos at Dolphins game, game number six on our slate here. My question is, after seeing actual signs of life and even explosive plays in week two in Denver, which Broncos players can we actually trust in week three? Debra, what do you think? Well, I talked about this before, and I'm going to just double down on it right now, man. I think Javante Williams is going to have himself a day. Miami versus running backs, they're allowed the eighth highest missed tackle rate and the 13th highest yards after contact per attempt. Not only are they bad versus the ground game, but running backs in the passing game as well. Last year, 
seventh most receiving yards to running back. So I think Javante Williams can have a good day. I'm going to have Samaj P. Ryan ranked probably above consensus as well. And what we have not seen out of this Denver offense so far is that they've been so pass heavy in the red zone. And what's been a staple for Sean Payton's offenses over numerous years, go back through his entire tenure in New Orleans, the red zone offense usually runs through the backfield. You can, I mean, he's got multiple top five first overall in the NFL rushing touchdown leading offenses. And we haven't seen that yet. I think we see that this week because Javante has been quiet. Samaji P Ryan has been the guy that everybody would hope he'd be early in the season, but this is the game that I think we could see that come back as well as, yeah, I mean, I think that that Denver is going to have an, an easier time as far as throwing the ball as well. Miami's middle of the road in multiple metrics and they are quietly terrible versus tight ends. So it's not only the running backs that I like here, but if you're struggling at tight end, Adam Troutman is somebody, I know that the numbers are not great, but you want to talk about a tight end two matchup streamer that could surprise people and catch a touchdown, finish inside the top 12 or maybe top 10 tight ends this week. I definitely think it could happen. Fitz, what do you make of this Denver offense coming off of a better game? Certainly than we saw in week one and most of last year uh, headed on the road to Miami. Who are you trusting? Probably only Javante, but I think Judy is playable. Where do you have Judy ranked this week, D-Bro? I've got Judy... Like wide receiver three range? No, I've got actually... I've got him inside my top 24. I've got him at wide receiver 18 because I, okay. I do think... And this comes down to have we seen it yet? No. But what I have seen is I've seen Cortland Sutton look like a replacement level player this year so far. His metrics are like wide receiver four-ish. And all this screams to me that Judy did not put up the numbers that we thought he could in his first game back. But his first read share was through the roof. So what that tells me is, okay, the, the targets did not happen last week. That doesn't mean that they weren't designed to go to him or that we might not see that this week. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on Judy getting the target volume this week. Let's go to one of the games that I think uh, especially betters have no idea what to make of, and that's Chargers at Vikings. This game just has all the makings of one that is going to be in the witching hour on red zone. We're going to be like just losing our minds over some crazy development that happens on either side of the ball. My key question here is Jordan Addison has been a wide receiver two in each of his first two games. Uh, he's been really efficient, not seeing a ton of volume. He scored in each week. What do we make of him both this week and moving forward, Debro? He's tough to trust. Um, I, I will say this. The talent is there, and I think we're going to see the breakout coming. That could be this week. We saw his uh, route run per team drop back rate increase from 61% to 71%. Now his target share didn't bump up. He's still, had, he's not even cresting a 13% target share. So yeah, Worm, like you said, he's being efficient on the volume he's gotten. I mean, I think it's being kind. He's gotten hardly any volume, but he's done a lot with it. So this could be the week we see him break out um, in the sense of like this offense goes more in his direction uh, because we're not seeing that even in first read share. He's got a 12.5% first read target share. And for everybody that is not aware with that metric, like it's not good. But I think that with the talent is slowly eating away at KJ Osborne's snap share. And it should KJ Osborne should have never been playing snaps over Jordan Addison at any point this year. They're just making the rookie earn it. But I think he earns it this week. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I mean, I think it's efficient in terms of just like seventy-two yards and a touchdown on only oh, yeah, five he's targets. Awesome like they've targeted him, they just he, need to do yes, it more. Yes, but the volume has not been there. Like certainly, uh, uh, Fitz, what do you think? Yeah, this is a tricky one because the surface stats are so much better than the usage for Jordan Addison, which maybe shouldn't surprise us because Jordan Addison is good and he's certainly out capable of like outperforming his level of usage. But he played 22 fewer snaps than K.J. Osborne in week one, 16 fewer snaps than K.J. Osborne in week two. Um, I I know he's going to be in a million start sit questions that I get Saturday and Sunday. And I I feel like I'm probably going to wind up telling a lot of people to sit him just because the usage doesn't justify playing him over some of the other receivers that people are going to be considering starting. And I'm going to feel really nervous about it because this could definitely be like a smash setup with this projected high scoring game with a a total of what, 54 points, uh, the Vegas total. So like it could be a huge KJ Osborne game or a a huge Jordan Addison game, but it's just like hard to count on it when he's playing that many fewer snaps than KJ Osborne so far. Where do you have him ranked at Fitz? Like I, I, I'm kind of looking in that wide receiver three territory and I'm like, should I really have Jordan Addison over? I mean, should should I really have Terry McLaurin going up against the Buffalo Bills this week over Jordan Addison or Garrett Wilson, DeAndre Hopkins, like all these low end wide receiver threes? Like, should they really be over Jordan Addison in a high total shootout game? Like, I'm kind of struggling with it, man. Like, I've got him at wide receiver thirty three. Maybe that's too high. Maybe it's not high enough. I'm not. I can't tell right now. Where are you at? I've got him like right a, right around wide receiver 40. Mm, okay. And it it does feel too low admittedly, but I'm just kind of following and the it's usage. It's just a here. mess in that that part of the ranks, man. Like all the guys down there like what do you do with Garrett Wilson? What do you do with DeAndre Hopkins? Like um another guy that I, I I'm kind of curious about. We'll get to that game later, but Tank Dell, I think I'm going to have to rank higher than maybe consensus this week. Yeah, look, looking at the matchup, too, it's funny, like, the Chargers look like they're, oh, they're 32nd, you know, in fantasy scoring against wide receivers. A lot of that is because Tyree Kill just went nuclear in week one, and it's early enough that that kind of, you know, skews those. I do want to hit another over-under challenge here with TJ Hawkinson kind of crushing early this season. Will he go over-under 11 fantasy points against the Chargers, Fitz? I'm going to say under, like, I don't think he gets there unless he gets into the end zone, which is probably 50, 50. I'll, I'll say under this time. What do you think D bro? Uh, I'm going to go over only because I think the volume is going to push him over. I think the volume get, helps him get there. Um, I, I mean, here, here's maybe the hot take part of it. Like, I think he can get there without scoring a touchdown with as much volume as he's been seeing. Yeah. Yeah. You better not be wrong. Take the stress out of lineup management with MyPlaybook's autopilot tool at fantasypros.com slash MyPlaybook. Enjoy automated optimal lineup adjustments, giving you both peace of mind and the best shot at victory each and every week. Let's go to game number eight here. Patriots at Jets. Will this be a squeaky wheel gets the grease game for Brees Hall in the Jets backfield? For those in case you missed it, they asked like kind of, you know, why the <laughs> offense is struggling. And he, Brees Hall essentially said, because I only got four carries this week. So will we see him get more of the workload here in week three? Fitz, what do you expect? I hope so. They need to. In four career starts against the Patriots, Zach Wilson has two touchdown passes and seven interceptions. <laughs> Bill Belichick is 
Yeah, Bill Belichick <laughs> is just going to put the clamps on this passing game. The, the Patriots are not uh, going to let the Jets do any business through the air. So they need to get Brees Hall involved. Also, by the way, Dalvin Cook looks like a complete dust ball yep. this year. Like they need to ramp up the Brees Hall usage. You've given him a couple games to get his uh, conditioning right and, and test the knee and everything. Hopefully we get a lot more Brees Hall in week three. Debra? I, I, I want to hope for it. I just don't know if it's going to actually happen. I think the Jets are trying to save him from himself. I mean, like, we just talked about this. We're only a week three. Now, as much as Brees Hall wants to get more carries and stuff, sometimes you got to be saved from yourself. I mean, I get that, but if the Jets really have aspirations to try to somehow get in the playoffs, I'm not saying that they're going to with Zach Wilson at the helm, but they want to try to, they're going to need Brees Hall the entire year because like Fitz talked about, Dalvin Cook ain't it, baby. So I don't know if the volume is going to be there for Brees Hall this week. The matchup is pretty bad. Like New England on the ground, third or ninth highest stuff rate. Now the, the one saving grace for Brees Hall, I'll say here, is if he can have a banner day, regardless of the volume, it's going to come down to the run concepts being a really good matchup against this run defense. Because as good as New England's run defense has been versus zone runs, which are Brees Hall, like basically he's 50-50 between gap and zone runs this year. New England is allowing the third highest yards per carry to zone runs this year. So I don't know if the volume is necessarily going to be there this week. Like I probably put a median like 10 to 12 touches, but kind of like we saw in recent weeks, he could break one of those for a long game. Let's go to the last game in our early afternoon slate, and that's Bills at Commanders. The question here, with Sam Howell looking good, but Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin not quite taking off yet, what do we expect from the Commanders' passing game in this one? Debra, I'll stick with you. Uh, It's going to be an up-and-down day. Um, This secondary for the Bills is extremely good. Um, The Buffalo Bills just depends on if their pass rush gets home and gets heat on Sam Howell. If that doesn't happen, I think they could have a good day because – I'm, t- I'm here to tell you, the Bills are going to put up a lot of points. And I know that's not a scorching hot take, but they're going to be chucking deep balls. They're going to sit here and be putting up points all day. This is going to be one of those kind of games where we're like, oh, wow, you know what? Josh, Ill- Josh Allen really is a top three, top two best quarterback in the NFL. This is going to be one of those games where he reminds everybody very loudly. Um, so the commander's going to have to try to keep pace. Fitz, what have you taken away from the first couple of games of Eric Bieniemy, you know, running this offense in Washington, and how do you expect it to play out in Week Three? Yeah, not much yet, and part of that is getting the souped-up game script we got for the Commanders playing from behind against the Broncos, like trying to have, like stopping the accelerator to try to catch up. So we saw a pretty good uh, game for Sam Howell last week, and maybe it's the same thing. As Debro said, I think we're probably expecting the Bills to put up a lot of points this week, and and maybe that's going to force Washington into catch-up mode. But man, because of this matchup, I just like I can't get higher than wide receiver three range for either McLaurin or Dotson, and Dotson just barely in wide receiver three range. Like I've got Dotson in quite a few leagues, and man, it is a borderline start sit call in most of those leagues. Can I give out a quick hot take here? I think Curtis Samuel leads them in receiving yards this week. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All right. Where where would you rank him? Or is that just like a bold prediction? 
Um, slightly bold, but I am going to look at where I am versus consensus and I'm going to have him above consensus. Like he's probably going to sneak inside wide receiver four range. Uh, you're looking at the cornerback matchups on this squad. Teron Johnson in the slot is easily their most exploitable corner and Tredavious White's not playing amazing right now, but he's still freaking Tredavious White. So he's a really good matchup as far as like archetype of wide receiver with Terry McLaurin and stuff. So as long as he can run with Terry, I think he could shut Terry down. I think Curtis Samuel is really, if Sam Howell has a great day, I think that's where the ball needs to go. Let's move to the late afternoon slate here. Panthers at Seahawks. And to me, this matchup feels pretty straightforward in terms of the fantasy, you know, start and sit decisions. So I wanted to ask you guys a long-term question. Kenneth Walker has 29 of the Seahawks, 39 running back carries this season, plus seven targets in two games, plus both Seattle rushing touchdowns. And he plays in an offense that we expect to continue to be good all season long. So given his usage and given the state of the running back position, is RB9 too low for his rest of season ranking? And that is where he's ranked in our most updated rest of season rankings, according to industry experts. And RB9 just feels too low to me, given what we've seen at the position already. Debra? It is way too low. Um, I'll say this. We need to uh, toss it in the trash can. All the offseason takes and all of our worries about Kenneth Walker and splitting work with Zach Charbonnet. Maybe that happens as the season goes along. It ain't happening right now, baby. Like you're looking at Kenneth Walker. This dude is 17th in weighted opportunity, 11th in opportunity share. And not only that, he's still one of the best pure runners in the freaking NFL. This guy is ninth in elusive rating. So tough matchups to start the season. I have him at RB5 for rest of season rankings. And I don't think that that is like bold or crazy or anything. You look at the state of the running back position and it's like, who are you putting over him? Oh, are you still married to preseason and offseason worries about he get he loses work? That's not happening. We need to change our, our viewpoint of the Seattle backfield and realize Zach Charbonnet is facing more competition with DJ Dallas than he is with Kenneth Walker. So, yeah, K-Dub, top five running back, rest of season. The, the running backs he's behind, by the way, this is half PPR rankings. CMC, Bijan, Pollard, Etienne, I, I'm fine with all those. Yeah. Eckler is fifth, Jacobs Ooh. is sixth. Ramondre is seventh, Derrick Henry is eighth. So, Pat, of those guys, shouldn't Walker be ahead of at least a few of them? I mean, I've got him running back nine. So maybe you could split hairs and say that I should have him ahead of some of those guys. Come on, Fitz, bump him up. I might have most of those guys. Maybe I do need to do it. But, like, contextualizing this, like, he is absolutely a rock-solid RB1. And, like, the floor at running back drops out shortly behind – uh walker in the rankings like after the top 10 you're down to like you know their guys ranked 11th 12th 13th who are barely like rb2 worthy it's just a big fall off after walker so i think you're thrilled if if you drafted him because the zach charbonnet threat has not materialized yet and doesn't look like it's going to anytime soon i think you're really happy if you're a walker investor and you know we're splitting hairs about where he is in the rest of season rankings like solid rb1 be happy he's on your fantasy team just to get in one quick question so to keep this brief but about the matchup itself are we starting miles sanders this week fits uh if he plays through his pectoral injury yes because seattle's not a bad matchup they've been better against the run than they were last year but sanders has 32 carries and 11 targets so far the usage has been there even though the panthers offense as a whole has looked pretty pretty shabby 
derail quickly on Sanders? Uh, low ceiling this week, even if he plays. Uh, you're looking at 62% of his runs have been on zone concept plays. Uh, Seattle has shut those down. They're allowing the second lowest yards per carry to zone runs, 1.4 yards per carry. So I don't think Sanders does anything. I think they have to get get it done with the passing game this week. Let's also quickly hit one final player in the betting pros over under challenge. Geno Smith was brutal in week one and terrific in week two. Will he top 17 and a half fantasy points in week three against the Panthers? Fitz? I'm going to say yes. I was really pleasantly surprised by the way Seattle played last week without their two starting offensive tackles. I thought that would be a big issue against the Lions and that Aiden Hutchinson was going to wreak all sorts of havoc against them. Not really the case. So, um, and look at the weapons he's got to throw to, even though DK is a little banged up. Like, yeah, I'll go over here. Debro, you were shaking your head, so you disagree? I disagree. I'm going to take the under. I love Chef Gino. I think he's going to be good the rest of the season, but give me Kenneth Walker having a monster game here. Um, and I think that's what's going to pull Gino to the under. Game number 11 on our slate, still in the late afternoon section. Cowboys at Cardinals. Oh, boy, is this going to be a uh, fun one with fun in air quotes. Um, Is there a single startable Cardinal against possibly the best defense in the NFL? And I will say we put together this outline prior to the news of Trayvon Diggs's injury. So obviously, you know, thoughts go out to him. Um, It's really brutal. Just, you know, this defense looks like it could be special. It's still going to be quite good. Um, I don't know if that changes how you guys would answer this question, but Fitz, I'll start with you here. By the way, can I just remark on the awfulness of the late afternoon slate? I I think we only get three games. It's Panthers-Seahawks. The Panthers have been like one of the most boring teams to watch so far this season. Cowboys-Cardinals, which looks like a massacre. Bears-Chiefs, which looks like a massacre. This this late afternoon. There should never be nine games in the early window. They're just just never NFL. Like, just give us one good matchup. It's in insane. The afternoon slate. So um, James Conner is absolutely playable just because of the volume, just because of the current state of the running back position. Mm-hmm. You're not excited about it. Expectations are lowered a little bit because of the matchup, but like he's the only guy. You're not starting anyone in the Cardinals passing game. Debra. Um, I'll push back a little bit about the Cardinals passing game only because of the Trevon Diggs. Don't injury. say hurts. Don't say oh, I'm not going to say Ertz. No, Ertz could be put in the coffin. I'm not worried about Ertz. But I do think that Marquise Brown will get enough volume here. And I think that his speed versus their man coverage can play. Uh, if you're going to get open versus Stefan Diggs and Deron Bland, who I think takes outside corner spot, Jordan Lewis probably takes a slot corner spot. I think that versus those two corners, Marquise Brown does have the speed to sit here and get a speed release and take catch one deep this week. So I, I I think you could start Marquise Brown in a pinch. I'm not excited about it. And James Conner just based off the volume, but it's it's going to be ugly, people. Yeah, let's get off this game as soon as possible. Let's go to Bears <laughs> at Chiefs. Not that this one looks much better, but there's at least a little more intrigue here. And the key question, I think, is one on everybody's mind. Will the Bears finally unleash Justin, Justin Fields' rushing potential again in this game? Uh, and as sort of a second follow-up to that, it doesn't matter if the coaching staff does because it sounds like he's going to regardless, right, Debro? Damn right. Run fields run. Forget what Getsy's telling you. Get that out of your head. Play your game, baby. And I want to see it, man, because this is a spot where he should be able to run and have a lot of success. Kansas City, fifth most rushing yards to quarterbacks last year. There is no way on this planet in civilization with anybody with common sense 
that should allow Justin Fields to have one design run. Taysom Hill has more design runs this year at the quarterback position than freaking Justin Fields. Tell me how that happens. In what world should that be happening when we are at week two? Run Fields run. Let's go. All right. I, I'm fully on board. Uh, what do you think here, Fitz? Yeah, totally. Fields has talked all week about playing less robotically and more instinctively. And I take that as a hint that he is going to run more aggressively in week three. Very quickly, just on the Chiefs side, because it is going to be a topic all season. I mean, like Sky Moore, they Kadarius Tony didn't have quite as bad of a game as he did in week one. Sky Moore actually caught a touchdown. Are we a little more optimistic about these wide receivers, Debra? I'm not optimistic about them. Um, I put this in our Bold Takes article, which will be live today or tomorrow. Give me Justin Watson to sit here and take a long one to the house. I know I'm sitting here like people are saying, well, you just throwing a name out of the hat. You look at his usage. He's the deep threat for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. He's the person getting the deep targets, not MVS. So I'm not excited to start any of these guys. And I'm not telling you to throw Justin Watson, but if you're in a deep league or a dynasty league, you got him sitting out there or he's out on the waiver wire and you're like, I crap, I got nobody else. Consider him because I think he takes a deep one to the house this week. Fitz, very quickly, are you taking a flyer on any of these Chiefs receivers? Not if I can help it. Uh, I'm with D-Bro. You know, try to win a bar bet with your buddies on, on Justin Watson. <laughs> and Otherwise, just stay away. <laughs> All right. Let's go to Sunday Night Football here. Uh, another ugly one. Steelers at Raiders. My key question is, what will the backfield split look like between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren? And D-Bro, I will let you go first because you are so passionate about one of those guys. Oh, Jalen Warren is my boy, baby. We're seeing. And now everybody's seeing why. He's so freaking good, okay? Right now, they are splitting this backfield 50-50. Najee Harris has actually run 36 routes compared to Jim Warren's 32, so he's been getting more of the pass game run. The difference is Jalen Warren has been targeted on 31% of his routes. He's second in the NFL behind only Josh Jacobs in yards per route run. So I think this is the game where Jalen Warren's going to have himself a day in the passing game. I think as we move through the season, not only is Jalen Warren going to eat into the early down work for Najee Harris, I think he takes over the pass game work. And all of these previous comparisons to, is he Tony Pollard? Is he this year's Tony Pollard? I think this offense is not good enough to sit here and, and get that type of touchdown expectation for Jalen Warren in any shape, form, or fashion. But can he be really stinking good at being RB2, even when Najee's still around there for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think it could happen. Fitz, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, both or neither? I know Debro wants to kick Najee to the curb so badly, but the Steelers are not going to do that. It's going to continue to be a 60-40 split. Technically, it's been a 57-43 split on snaps so far. And... Look, the more explosive stuff with Warren is just fiction. I mean, like he had a big catch against the Browns on a blown coverage, completely fiction. blown coverage. Other than that, Debra, Warren is averaging 2.9 yards per carry, has a worse success rate than Najee Harris on runs this season. Like, I, I know you want to wish cast this into existence, but like it it's not happening. Warren is not taking over this backfield. Warren is top 10 in missed tackles force per attempt. It ain't fiction, baby. He's that good. Well, then I, I guess do... they must be tackling him seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, Debro, because he's averaging <laughs> no, 2.9 yards per watching. carry. 
That's that's Najee Harris you're watching that happen to, Fitz. Sorry. Uh, I do have a second quick question here, which is, what's wrong with Josh Jacobs? The rushing leader a year ago Ooh. has not been good here in 2023, Fitz. No training camp. I mean, I, I hate to sound like an old school Oklahoma drill type of, of football guy, but like <laughs> missing training camp is a big deal. I mean, I'm guessing his fitness level is just not where it would normally be. Debra. I think it's twofold. Not only is Josh Jacobs, um, he's been pretty bad uh, as far as like tackle breaking metrics. He's got the third highest stuff rate in the NFL, but this offensive line is doing him no freaking favors. They have the eighth lowest yards before contact per attempt. So I think it's I think it's a combination of of Jacobs and the offensive line, but I'll also throw this on top. The Pittsburgh run defense has been terrible this year. They're Swiss cheese, man. Hayward out. They can't stop anybody. I think this is the get right sauce, and that's why I threw it out on Twitter. And not only that, the upcoming matchups for Josh Jacobs are beautiful, beautiful. So if you can go trade for him now, I know how bad he's been, and everybody's talking about how bad he's been. I think the worm starts to turn this week. The worm. Oh, I love to hear it. The worm, man. Monday Night Football, for as much as we complain about the late afternoon Sunday slate, I do love me a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. It is so much better than just having one game. I would be not opposed if they do it every single week, honestly. I love the Monday Night Doubleheader. We've got two this week. Game number 14 on our slate, Eagles at Buccaneers. My key question here is, are we confidently starting DeAndre Swift again, coming off of an amazing Thursday night game just a week ago against the Vikings? Debro? Who, who the hell are you starting over DeAndre Swift? I mean, the guy the guy got 75% of the snaps. If Kenneth Gainwell is still back, how, how does he take over the starting role over DeAndre Swift when he's banged up with ribs, rib issues? Like, I don't see how that happens. So, yeah, like DeAndre Swift is a locked in top 20 running back well, this week. Like, you'll, you'll notice I didn't really say, good. Are we, I didn't say, are we starting him? I said, are we confidently starting him? I mean, what that's my point how can we not be confidently starting him okay. based off of what he he got over 30 touches last week he's based off a history of watching him elusive, disappoint i mean yeah but that that kind of stuff is exactly how you lose your fantasy matchups play deandre swift top 20 back easy fits what do you think I mean, Gainwell's going to have a role if he is back, and he might even be the ceremonial starter, much to Debro's chagrin, much much the way that Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the ceremonial starter for the Chiefs in week one. But, um, like, I do, every time I think about DeAndre Swift, like, I, I can't help thinking of the cliche phrase, the genie out of the bottle. Like, he is the genie that smashed the bottle. Like, there's no bottle to go back in for DeAndre Swift. He's he's going to have a big role. So, um mm-hmm. I mean, I, just the sorry state of the running back position with all the injuries right now, I think you're feeling pretty good about playing him. Maybe not supremely confident that he's going to go for, what, another 175 rushing yards against the Buccaneers <laughs> this week? Probably not. But, um, you know, I, I think you're still feeling pretty good about playing him. Okay. I'm not I'm not suggesting people shouldn't start him for the record. I just am a little uh, more hesitant to believe that what we saw last week is, uh, you know, what we're going to be seeing going forward. Let's wrap up here with Rams at Bengals. I want to ask you guys, how are you two approaching lineup decisions involving the Bengals 
not only given the uh, you know Joe Burrow calf uncertainty and the fact that this game is on Monday, not Sunday, so you have to make your decisions beforehand, but also just in terms of how the offense has looked, you know, heading into to this week three because the first two weeks it hasn't been good, and now there's the calf issue. Debro, how are you approaching these decisions? I think with Joe Burrow in basically every league where you have other starting quarterback options, you can at least like stream somebody. I would be sitting him. I would not be playing that game. And however you want to slice and dice that up, that's fine. That's up to you. Um, whether he he hasn't looked good, maybe he sits out. I do think he plays because what they're doing with their personnel decisions as far as the roster and stuff leans that way. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play. But I think that you're looking at other quarterback uh, op- options as far as like in your starting lineups. But as far as Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and everybody, you're starting them. I mean, like, in what world do you probably have a lot of better options than to start those guys? And even with a backup quarterback tossing them the ball, like these guys are still uber freaking talented. Say Joe Burrow doesn't play. I mean, Teagans is probably still going to be ranked as a wide receiver too. Jamar Chase is a wide receiver one as they should be because I mean, the Rams defense, is anybody scared of the Rams defense? Are we scared of those cornerbacks? Are we scared of that pass rush outside of Aaron Donald? The answer for all those things is no. You shouldn't be. So I think you're going to start Jamar Chase and T. Higgins as you usually should. You're not playing Tyler Boyd or Irv Smith because, good Lord, you never should because they haven't done anything. And sit Joe Burrow and look at streaming in a quarterback over him. Fitz, is this, you know, actually kind of a simple one to decide and do what Debro said, start the must-starts and sit the guys that aren't? I'm not scared of the Rams defense. I'm scared of Jake Browning. But that said, <laughs> I do think Debro has it right. I mean, I, I think maybe for me, Chase is probably going to fall into wide receiver two range in the rankings mm. if Jake Browning starts and, and Higgins maybe down to wide receiver three. But in most cases, I think you're you're compelled to start those guys. I think they're going to be better options than, you know, I, I'm still starting either of those guys over Jordan Addison. I'm, you know, still starting over those guys over Marvin Mims, who had good surface stats last week, but ran six routes. Like, you still have to play those guys with their usage. And I think you have to play Joe Mixon. You know, they're going to lean heavily on the run, whether or not Joe Burrow plays. But, yeah, it's just disappointing. I mean, that you drafted these guys with the expectation that the Bengals offense was going to be a high wire act yet again. And and so far, this Burrow injury has, has prevented that. I do want to throw in a second question here before we wrap, um, and it's really just because we have to talk about Puka Nakua each week until he stops breaking records. So this is simple. Just what do we expect from another encore to his first uh, to to historic games here, at Debra? You play him. You play him. You play him. He's a wide receiver. One of my rankings, and anybody that has a problem with that, I don't know what the hell to tell you. He's got thirty-five targets in his first two games. If you don't believe now. You're never going to believe. So have fun. Enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy watching Puka Nakua get another 12 plus targets and go for 90 plus receiving yards. He's a wide receiver one. If you got a problem with that, you, you're still lost in offseason sauce. How, how many have catches fun. do you expect this week, Debra? Eight plus. I'd be betting the overs on all of his props. Fitz, what do, what do you expect from Puka in week three? 
Yeah, as if people need my opinion on Puka when they got Debra already. I'm I'm just the after dinner <laughs> man the here. Juice, so I don't think I don't think anybody needs to be told to start him at this point. It's more just like we can't not address what he's doing. I mean, it's historic and it's historic coming from a round five receiver in the first few games of his career. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, what do we expect? But everybody should be starting him regardless, Fitz. Yeah, it's it's real. I mean, more heavy volume. I, I don't think he's going to have uh, 200 catches. I think he's pacing for like 213. But um, yeah. like what we're seeing is is very real. Like the volume is going to continue to be there. All right, we'll wrap up there. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please go check out DraftKings Sportsbook. Use game time for all your tickets. And please check out my playbook for our entire suite of tools. The dev team put so much into it, and they really are the best tools in the industry. I will fight anybody that says otherwise. So uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. For Debro and Fitz, I am Ryan Warmly. We'll see you guys again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 